Hey everyone, welcome to the New Media Show. My name is Todd Cochran. Of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Rob Greenlee. And Rob, we're doing this show a little different this time. It's audio only. Yeah, we're going a little old school, pre-recording. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought, and I, I did that with my show the other night. I thought it would be uh, interesting to do this a little bit, but uh, more relaxed, I think, you know, and, and definitely less prep. I know you did a little prep today, but... Typically, uh, you know, we don't. So, but for for me, at least, it just seems like a little easier to, without having to, you know, get the studio fired up and do all the other stuff. So today we're actually recording the show on Riverside.fm. So they had given me a test count over here. So I give them a little credit where credit's due. Yeah, it's a nice... Nice uh, platform. I think uh, the the audio quality is, I think, what it's really known for. So they've done a, you know, um, Squadcast is another one that does a terrific job on the audio quality side. So, um, yeah, it's great to be using this tool. And you and I can see each other, which it makes it good, too. So it's we could record video if you want. But anyway, this is today for today audio yeah. only. but. So the news just keeps on happening, you know, and Rob, I, I have to laugh. Uh, ACAST is now the number one, it's the biggest podcast host. Or it's the biggest podcast company in the U.S. is what the claims are. So the biggest I, podcast company. In the U.S. now. So, yeah. But anyway, the companies can make claims. They don't have to be true. It's the same thing that happens in politics, right? <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> so, how do they? You know, what did what was their justification? Was a number of people, or you know? uh, they never said. I the article that I read never really justified its position. I I think uh, the the article actually it was kind of funny. It was almost like the the author of the article or the journalist that wrote the article was almost making fun of it. It was like saying. <laughs> Whether or not it's true or not, uh, it's a sign of their aspirations of what they're trying to do, you know, so. <laughs> Meanwhile, you know, the buying spree continues. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I heard, I think, just spend another pile of cash. $230 million. Boy, Taking that you. last piece, uh, you know, away from EW Scripps. So now the, uh, the EW Scripps folks are completely out of radio and podcasting. Uh, and basically are doubling down on on video and television. Well, one thing's for sure is they made out well on those yeah. deals. That was you a know? nice nice little return on investment for owning, you know, some companies for a few years. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to be on the commission side of those deals. My goodness. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Probably the commission side of those deals is enough to retire on. But yeah, I think that the real story, though, is iHeart. Um, and their their ambitions to you know be be the biggest podcasting company in the world too. I think um, just like that they they were the biggest or continue to be the the biggest radio company in the world too. So, well, if you if you read Tom Webster's latest post, yeah, <laughs> you know you can buy something. Right. And you can wish in one hand, and as my father used to say, do something in the other. I probably can't right. say it on the show. Wish in one hand and poop in the other and see what you get first. And, you know, I, I think that uh, iHeart has big aspirations, but, you know, it's just like any other podcast. If you, you can build it, but they may not come. 
So now that they bought all this tech and it's all locked up, you know what's kind of interesting about this is that the options for podcasters, for independent and people that are building networks are now narrowing in the tools that they have unless you want to be part of an iHeart ecosystem or a Spotify ecosystem. And that to me is um, interesting because as a service provider that offers many of the tools that these people just bought up, um, I still think the winning combination is a podcaster that's managing their own show with a platform that they basically, uh, you know, it, it's basically from the ground up. The I, I don't know. I guess my point here is is that I think there's still opportunities for lots of podcasters to make good money with their shows and not be underneath the thumb or having to contract one of these big companies to provide those services for them. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think um, these deals, you know, iHeart I, I, I think is they're they're huge in their area, right? In the people that they work with, and if you think about what they've done here, is they've aggregated a bunch of ad tech together, which um, totally aligns with typically what radio is. Radio is very focused on the advertising business. And so it does make sense that iHeart would head down this path with some of the companies that they acquired, like the, um, you know, the one that they just did with the Triton uh, digital folks. But I think it's also interesting just from the standpoint of, you know, me working for Lipson and you running running Blueberry, that iHeart Radio now owns three podcast hosting platforms. Um, so you start thinking about that a little bit, you know, the Vox Nest with with Spreaker and, um, or is it three or just two, two, um, no, Omni I, I, is also part of that deal too. Um, so Omni studio is a podcast hosting and recording platform out of Australia. Um, so it's, it's kind of interesting, you know, you know, Omni, I know has been working a lot with radio stations, um, on the, on the publishing and recording side as well. Uh, so they have a strong tool set that really caters to radio stations pretty aggressively, as well as podcasters. But you know, but you see Voxness with Spreaker, and you can see a, a strong correlation there with um, live audio with podcasting. So you can kind of see how um, all of these acquisitions do have a strong connection with the radio, the online radio side of podcasting. So, so, you know, in a lot of ways it makes a lot of sense what's happened here, but you know, they're spending a lot of money. They are. And again, if they're going to employ this in the way that it's traditionally been employed, yeah. the type of CPMs that they're going to get for this is not going to be the type of, you know, it's, it's just, I don't think it's going to rise to the level that podcasters are going to be able to get on board with because a lot of it's going to be programmatic. Um, I don't think there's going to be much host endorsed in there. I, I Just for them to scale that, you and I understand the work to do to scale on host endorsed. It's, it's a lot of work. So maybe I'm wrong in this regard, but I don't know. I guess we'll see over time, but... And they're definitely spending a lot of cash. Yeah. Yeah, they are. And, you know, there is a strong connection here with programmatic ad buying. And you start thinking about that 
element of, of it too. I'm sure that there's going to be pieces in here that's going to do host street advertising as well. That's, that's where the, the biggest dollars are, but you know, a lot of this ad tech is in support of, of, you know, having radio go to the next level on the on-demand side and keeping, keeping radio competitive with the podcasting space. I mean, it was an interesting topic. Um, I was involved in a clubhouse session last night. Um, the, the club pod um, community on clubhouse last night um, had a session talking about, because I guess Joe Rogan made a two hour appearance on clubhouse last night. Hmm. And so everybody was talking about the whole crossover between, you know, the larger podcasters or larger media guys like Joe Rogan, right. Coming into clubhouse. And is that good for clubhouse or bad for clubhouse? And, and, you know, and then people were asking me questions about whether or not, you know, how does podcasting and Clubhouse fit together? And I, I said, really, they don't right now. I mean, I think Clubhouse is its own separate medium. Uh, it's not the same thing as podcasting. I think there's a lot of people trying to do podcasting over there. And, you know, um, Mark Cuban announced his, his play um, that is going to combine podcasting with a social audio type of platform, but um, we shall see how that works out. I I think a lot of people also think um, that that the audio quality or the quality of a podcast that's produced in that type of an environment is not it is only going to be good for a certain genre of podcast. It isn't going to be good for all types of podcasts. So it's it's uh, you know, shows like this one or shows like a show like Dave Jackson does, the School of Podcasting, where he likes to have a lot of people coming into the program. But other shows, you know, doing it on Clubhouse is not necessarily going to be a, be a good fit. No, because the audio quality is about as good as phone quality. And therein lies the, the challenge. Uh, right. It just, it just sounds, you know, it sounds like the old days. Matter of fact, the audio sounds exactly like the type of audio we were putting out in 2004. So, right, right. Um, <laughs> Though I try, try and use a higher quality microphone when I do Clubhouse. Um, so it, it hopefully, I don't know what it sounds like. I, I haven't heard my voice on a recording yet. So to know if it sounds that good on the other end, because I, well, I can't hear it. it. The tech from what I've been reading, and of course it came out who they're using. They're using a, a Chinese vendor um, for their audio tech, and I was reading through that, and uh, I couldn't find any specifications on the quality of audio because that's something I kind of went looking for um, with them. But if you think about the amount of bandwidth and the amount of number of rooms they have, I'm sure it's not set very high just from a performance and or a... Uh, cost perspective you know you you increase the quality you increase the you know the bandwidth you increase the cost so i don't know we'll see um what happens with the clubhouse i know there's a lot of discussions about it and again i think it's great for after parties i'm not necessarily you know i know we're going to try it with this show but it's going to be more where you and i are going to do recording like this and then you're going to patch us into clubhouse and then we can bring someone on so it'll be interesting to see how that kind of how that kind of works out. Yeah. I think it's, 
I think it'll work pretty pretty smoothly. I think we'll be able to do the same distribution that we've been always doing. It's just I'll just add another audio element into this, and right. and it should go pretty pretty smooth. I think. Um, Did you but, uh, get a chance to try doing that on your new roadcaster already? Have you patched in and used? No, your I haven't actually got got it all set up yet. I'm still waiting on parts to come. Um, you know, <laughs> things got. <laughs> delayed with the snowstorm and all this kind of stuff. So I didn't get all, all the pieces that I need to put this together. You don't have all the cables yet. All the, yeah. Well, no, actually all of the supporting brackets that I need to hold monitors oh. and hold oh, all, all the various pieces of this that I'm going to do. So I don't want to tear it apart prematurely because then I won't be able to use it. Guaranteed there's, guarantee there's going to be one thing missing, no matter what you do. Oh yeah, I'm I'm already <laughs> counting on that. So yeah, but it's it's I'm not spending a lot of time on Clubhouse. I'm I'm trying to be a little bit more strategic about what sessions I get involved in, and when I get pulled in, I'm getting constantly asked to to join sessions. But as you know, Todd, we're we're both busy trying to keep up with what's happening in the podcasting side. So it's you know you, you could easily get sucked into stuff over there all day long. You know, so there's always something going on. You know, I I saw a Facebook post by Darth Vader. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and, Darth uh, Vader. Right. People won't know who that is. Do you know what Pod, you want to tell me? Pod Vader. Right. Pod Vader. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> not Darth Vader, Pod Vader, and uh, he was commenting on a uh, piece that came out. Was talking about radio has not yet figured out podcasting, and you know all these kinds of. It was it was kind of a, a funny article, but you know his complaint was, "Hey, we're here, we can help you." And my response to him was, "Well, <laughs> yeah, we're here to help them, but oftentimes." Number one, they don't listen. <laughs> right. And 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 number two, they don't um, they don't have budget. So you know, and then they're complaining about not figuring out how they're going to be able to make money in podcasting. Well, you have to p- apply a little budget, and you have to listen in order to to make some things happen. And there's some good success stories out there of some radio stations that have done podcasting work but yet i think the majority of the well i was talking with someone and i said where does and i think we both know where this lays um a lot of the radio space are older white men and they don't and they don't fully maybe not fully engage with some of the new stuff that's going on. So I think that may be part of the issue. Um, and I, you know, that was the kind of the general comment. And this come from a gal that has worked in radio for a long time. And we are kind of chuckling about it um, because, you know, she said we'd had, she'd had discussions with other radio clients and to get them to think creatively on how to create podcast that will work for a radio station. She says they often don't fully get it. They're all about this linear concept, all about it's live, it's right now. And once it's said, they don't care about that moment anymore. And um, so I think it's a whole mindset change they have to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do think that the radio folks still still think that they 
they have huge reach with what they're doing and and things like that. And I guess the stats are are, are showing that they're. Sure. I, I guess they're getting ninety percent. I, I guess reach on a weekly or whatever basis, and and reaching total number of people out there in the country. That's continuing. Um, but you know, I do have to ask the question: Then why are so many radio stations suffering? And I think it gets back to. Um, you know, what's happening with the pandemic and the advertising market in the local markets is definitely been suffering. And that's put a lot of pressure on these radio stations to be able to keep the revenue flowing in to keep, you know, some budget there to be able to do something new uh, or beyond what they're already doing just to keep the lights on. You know, well, I, I know radio stations in my local community here have laid salespeople off. Right. You know, so when they lay their revenue source generators off, that's very, very telling. It's almost like they're in life support mode until the, but you know, I don't know. I see a lot of commerce happening. A lot the stores are full. I see right. people shopping. I see people, I guess, you know, the car industry, I guess, has been pretty devastated. But I, you know, I see people, you know. You go to Walmart, you go to Myers, you go to, you know, all these other, there's people spending money. So I think the economy is probably doing as well as it can. And there's still a huge segment of people that are still laid off. But, um, and maybe we're going to start to see some relief on this as these governors start to figure out that this continual lockdown is just not worth it. Um, and not and not working. It hasn't worked. So time will tell, I guess, on this. Yeah, I would imagine that our um, our listenership to podcasting has dropped dramatically in the state of Texas here in the U.S. over the last week or so with this things the the sad situation that's going on down there. But yeah, and, and I actually mentioned it on my show that you may be listening to this. You know, if you're from Texas or the Panhandle or Louisiana or even Arkansas, you might be listening to this later right. um, because they've had, yeah, that they just weren't, you know, you think about it, just that that type of event just does not happen down there. <laughs> and uh, when you have uh, water mains bursting because they're frozen, you know, and the and those water towers have been there 50 years. That's telling you what type of extreme weather event they had. Yeah. And I guess it's, it's, it's a reflection of the change um, in, in the weather and things like that, that that's happening down there and they weren't prepared for it um, is what it really, when it comes down to. So Rob, they they don't have insulation houses to, to prevent water lines from freezing. So, you know, they're, they're worried about keeping the heat out, not the. Right. <laughs> well, I think they have both to worry about now. Yes, Welcome they do. to, to the rest of us, as they say. <laughs> you know, and I was the one that was out going out and buying heat tape. I, well, it's not really called heat tape, but it's uh it's an electrified. Uh, yeah. Extension cord that heats up. <laughs> I've, I've used those things many times to keep water pipes from freezing. Yes. That's right. I yes. got one in use right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had many of them in the years, in the past years at my cabins and places like that that I've had. Yeah. I've had to but, wrap pipes. Yeah. And just, and just, if any, if anyone happens to be listening to us and you're from the South and you're, and your water is frozen, <laughs> turn off your main um because when that pressure comes back 
Right. Um, but turn off that main and open your faucets. And because what will happen is if you have burst pipes already, when the water comes back, if you haven't shut the main off, then you're and you're not flood. home, your you're house will flood. flood. Right. Yeah. So shut your main water off if you've been froze. It can be a little tricky to detect uh, frozen pipes <laughs> after you've, um, c- because some of the pipes are in the walls or they're right. in places that you can't see. So when you turn the water on, kind of turn it on slowly and um, see if there's, and make sure all your faucets are turned off and see if there's any, you know, if you can hear water movement <laughs> yeah, or something you, like you, that, even though your faucets are all closed, you can you tell you have a leak. <laughs> yeah, water water will end up uh, having you have a very 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 bad day. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and that's been happening out. down there already, I guess. Oh, I know. So, yeah, lots of flooding yeah. going on. So yeah, yeah. So but yeah, so hearts go out to all those folks that are underneath that chest, starting to warm up. I hear. So maybe that's going to help. I'm sure it's going to be back up in the 60s or 70s, which is more normal uh, right. here pretty quick. So, but yeah. you know, I I spent time in. Texas, in Waco, in those areas, and I was there when they got snow and had freezing weather, so it's not yeah. like, there are, there are parts of Texas that get cold weather, so it was the folks that were down around Houston and, and farther south that had the biggest, you know, the biggest surprise. Well, um, I think it was just the the amount of snow and the temperatures, it got down so colder than they've ever yeah. experienced before, right? And everyone running their heat full blast to keep warm and then not having enough juice, so. Right, well, yeah. Interesting so, thing. So anyway, yeah. So I saw that Podcast Movement is now asking for uh, speaker submissions for the yeah. 2021 event in Nashville. So, so yeah. it looks like they are proceeding on target, and I'm really, really excited and can't wait to be back in person and meeting people. And but I just wonder, you know, way the pace of this thing is going, and you know, the pace of the um, immunizations is just agonizingly slow. Um, I just wonder if their attendance is still not going to be suppressed by people that still are not willing to travel. Yeah. I mean, I know that there's some, there's some hesitation even in inside Lipson to actually um, go to events because we don't want to send our whole staff. So, you know, we wouldn't want everybody to get sick at the same time or something like that. So um, that would be one hesitation that would, you know, cause things, but it depends on if we're all vaccinated and we all feel like, um, these variants aren't, a, you know, a new renewed threat or not. So yeah, we shall know. see. I, yeah. I, I guess we'll, we'll see when the time comes and we'll figure out how many of our team members, you know, we don't normally travel with a lot of people to the event, maybe three, four, the podcast movement. Yeah. So, you know, it all will depend on, um, the things going on. If we got people aren't comfortable with traveling and you know, they can stay home who will right. some, someone else to go in their place and be no big deal. Yeah. I think, uh, I think I'll probably wind up being there this year. I'm, I, I know that, um, Podfest is planning on doing their live event down in Orlando or yeah. Yeah. Orlando in June. So wow, that's even more aggressive. There's yeah, there's going to be events, opportunities coming up there. You know, we'll, challenge us to decide you know whether or not we're going or not yeah 
it'll be interesting, like, like you say, Todd, to see who actually ventures out. I, you know, I think that there could be a. I'll, I'll be there with a table. Don't worry. It's, uh, yeah. It's, I, <laughs> I think that there'll be a chunk of people that'll come out. Um, yeah. It may not be as much as what it was before, but it it's going to be a chunk of people that'll venture out. My approach this whole pandemic's been a little different. I've tried to live as normal as possible and, you know, with caution. But at the same time, I'm not hiding out in the basement either. So I, I think that's the – and I know some people have to because of health conditions and so forth. But I don't begrudge that at all. But it is yeah. what it is. So I guess we'll see. We'll see what happens. And we'll see if more people start getting immunized. The numbers are already coming down. So hopefully yeah. they continue to go down. Yeah, I think that they probably will. So I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. So Todd, did you see Mr. Andy Bowers popped up in the podcasting yeah, space again? He did. Yes, he yeah. did. All of a sudden, here there's Andy. <laughs> yeah, Andy's back uh, working with a new content production company for U.S. Uh, Latinos. Um, I think it's uh, the name of it's Pitea. I think is the. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but. That's that's the name of the new network. Uh, they have six new shows, and just so if you don't know who Andy Bowers is, he's he was one of the original original guys with Slate Podcasting, and actually spent many many years with National Public Radio, uh, and then was one of the founders of Megaphone. So yeah, so he'd kind of been off the radar for quite a while, then all of a sudden, but bing, bada boom, he's back in the business. Yeah, he actually moved to New York to to work on Megaphone, and then he moved back to L.A., back home, because that's where he's originally from, L.A., uh, and I guess he's getting, you know, he got hooked up with this new company, so it's cool. Well, good for him. So I'm sure we'll start to hear more from Andy again in whatever events he may be, you know, yeah. participating in. And I think the... You know, the whole Latino segment is, you know, continuing to to warm up, I, you know, really, really is. So I, I think probably it's a good time. Mm-hmm. But, hey, there's that train. <laughs> I'm going to turn it off. We, we ought to, we ought to uh, have an ISO for that thing. And... <laughs> <laughs> and play it uh play it in the during the show. So Rob, did you see the uh thing on Pod News about who's moving where? <laughs> yes, I did, did see, see that. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, yeah it is. And with, and I had actually um James had kind of given me a heads up that it was coming. And part of it is that he, the reason I had he'd reached out to me was that he said, hey, so there's not a lot of blueberry information in there because I have a hard time tracking you guys because, you, yeah. you know, most of your podcasters have their own RSS feeds. So it's not like there is a, you know, there's a segment of podcasters that have a blueberry.com or blueberry.net RSS feed, but the majority of them have their own .com as, as their RSS feeds that host with us. So um, there wasn't a lot of information he could glean uh, from us. Yeah, well, you're. Yep. A, I mean, a lot of what you're doing is in incognito, as they say, somewhat. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he could get to it. He'd just have to look up the. He could look at the hosting URLs versus the RSS feeds. Right. And be done with that. But let's see here. I'm looking at Podbean. Most of their customers are going. 
they're leaving Podbean are going to Anchor. SoundCloud is going to Anchor. The majority of Simplecast is going to Anchor and Megaphone. Buzzsprout has a huge exodus from Buzzsprout to Anchor. And I say huge, it's just these are these are still small numbers. Yeah. Libsyn, you guys oh. are going to you guys are going to, your customers are going everywhere. You're going <laughs> right, right. They're scattered all over the place. Going to Libsyn, yeah. Buzzsprout, going to Megaphone, and and then of course they got people coming to you too. So, but right. it's there's this then, huge. Go ahead. Oh, and then Art Nineteen people going from Art Nineteen over to Omni Studio, which I thought yeah. was interesting. That's a big a big bash of them, and then Megaphone is getting a lot of people going to Simplecast. And to Omni Studio. So, right. Uh, just for pure disclosures here, I'm looking at my list. The ones we had one go from you, no, from us to you, but I know I got two from you last week. So it's not in the list because <laughs> I don't see that line coming to Blueberry. But again, he didn't have, unless he, unless he pulls the actual media URLs. But again, these are onesie twosies, folks. So, you know, it lives into Anchor 10. Libsyn to Buzzsprout five, Megaphone to Simplecast eleven, um, Art nineteen to Simplecast twelve, Art nineteen to Omni thirty one, uh, SoundCloud to Anchor ten. So these are just there's not big numbers here. Yeah, um, and it's also just, just in the last seven days too. Last seven so, days, yeah. Right. So, but it's gonna right. be fun to see how this data aggregates out over time. Yeah. And, yep. and, and where it, uh, you know, they can, you know, this, all this data is anyone with, I'm actually surprised Daniel hasn't put this together already because, you know, this is all public information. It's available via the RSS feeds. I mean, it's really kind of interesting when you think about um, the largest groupings of people moving to a particular platform, which platforms they are and who right. those platforms are affiliated with. Uh, Anchor is part of Spotify. Um, Simplecast is part of uh, uh, SiriusXM Pandora group now. And Omni Studio is uh, part of iHeart. So, right. So you can kind of see that the big companies are sucking up um, podcasters. (laughs) Yeah. So the question is then what's invoking those moves? So what we really need to know is, okay, and this is, you know, James wants to dig in deep. All right, 31 went from Art19 to Omni Studio. That looks like a whole network move. Who was it? Who who did Omni pick up? And see, you can almost beat the press release by just looking at this data to see, okay, this network moved from here to here or this particular group of shows. There's a lot of intelligence in this. There's probably, you know, well, there's a lot of people leaving SoundCloud uh, just oh, in yeah. one week. I mean, that's that's a big exodus, and it's go- going to a lot of different hosts, not yeah. just one. We continue to pick up probably ten to twelve from SoundCloud a week. It's it's right. a you know a lot of because SoundCloud has not even updated their RSS feeds to support the new Apple tags that were introduced what three years ago. Right. So yeah. you know the the. the the platform is just running on autopilot over there. Right. And um, so, but, yeah. but then again. Yeah, and peop- yeah. 
people change hosts for tons of different reasons. Uh, it's not usually just one, one reason. Um, so it's, it's a competitive market. People are changing places. It's, it's good that people are able to freely and easily move around. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's good for podcasters. And it's interesting too. I try to get, talk to podcasters that are leaving us and find out why they're leaving. And, um, and oftentimes it's they've been fed information that wasn't right. And I've often have saved people from moving from one platform to another because they were basically told of a bunch of bunk. Yeah. And you know, I keep telling all these new podcasters that are coming into the space, you know, the the big thing that they say is a uh, um who who do who could you distribute to? And I could just say, Oh, we have them all, you know, and, and we do. But I could, you know, what's being implied by some podcast hosts is that we have an exclusive distribution deal with so and so. And my point to those podcasters is: is listen, all RSS feeds are created equal. You can get anywhere. You can be distributed anywhere from any host as long as you've got an RSS feed. And they're like, really? I can be over here with my feed? Yes, you can. Well, how come they didn't tell me that? Well, because they wanted you to move. That's why. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and some some podcasters think that if they move to a different platform, that's going to give them greater marketing or visibility or those kind of things that uh, a lot of these platforms will give the impression that they do, but they don't really do much of that. Um, I think... There, that's been the perception around Spreaker for many years is because they have a listening platform. So, And I believe that's why we're going to see more and more hosting platforms acquiring listening platforms is so they can make that claim that uh, we'll help you get listeners because we have a listening platform. And that's I, – I think we're going to see that happen um, more and more too. I think we did see a hosting platform acquire a listening platform in this past week. Who was that? I'm trying to remember. But who the that thing was. is, you know, yeah. it's good marketing speak, but right. when your numbers don't go up because that listening platform has less than one tenth of one percent of global market share, you know that that's not going to do nothing for you. <laughs> yeah, but that's also the, the podcaster doesn't always focus on that. Right? That's right. Yeah. If they can see your your podcast featured on you know, the front page of some listening platform that, that gets them all excited. It doesn't really matter how it, you know, yeah. translates it's perce- into it's downloads. Ver- right. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's perception versus reality. Yeah. yeah. So. You know, you're doing something to help me grow my, my audience. And cause that, that's what podcasters are looking for now more. So, right. yeah. But They're looking for help on that side. Some of this. To see where people are, are moving to, you know, um, stream guys, they had three people move to megaphone and, um, and then I'm looking at like some of the smaller players in the space and, you know, where they're, where people went to or left or it is, it, it is kind of uh, fun to look at this. Well, stream but, guys typically work with uh, radio folks. Well, so. they've had a, you know, they've been trying to compete in the podcast hosting thing and. No, no, I know they have, but I mean, a lot of yeah. the people that, that host with them are coming out of the radio industry. Right. Yeah. So, where did you guys pick up people from? You picked them up from Buzzsprout, from Anchor, from Transistor, and one from us, according to the 
this little chart. Uh, yeah. But what's interesting though is watch look in the Anchor Exodus too, and where the folks from Anchor leaving. Right. Going to that Pod and Bean. people people leaving Art Nineteen too. There's a big right. chunk of people leaving Art Nineteen over to yeah. Omni. Yeah, I think they had. Which I that must have been some network move. That that's a big number from going from one. Well, I think uh, part of that uh, relates to iHeartRadio was hosting uh, some of their podcasts on Art19. Oh, that is true. So that's why there's there's probably a move over to Omni. Yeah, probably they're in in part of the consolidation and their deal. It's like, okay, let's get all these things over on the other platform. Yeah. So. Well, it's going to be fun to watch this, you know, week to week to kind of see what's happening in the space and, you know, give us some indication of some things that are uh, happening in the space. I know what my internal churn rate is. And I know because we've tracked this for years because we've got the directory. I know what everyone else's churn rate is, too. Right. Uh, but I've never done this um, who went from who to who type of thing that's been done here. So it's it's kind of fun. Well, so I, I would imagine if they were able to do this, they would be able to track um, where new podcasts are coming from. <laughs> well, I I would assume so as well. And I think what we'll see is uh, probably the majority of them are going to anchor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably, probably true. But then again, on the, there should be a flip side chart then of how many have failed. You know, then show us show us that failure curve, <laughs> right? You know where the failure curve is. You know, we we fully understand. I think anyone that's in the working in the podcasting space, and this is for anyone that's thinking about starting a show, it's really about getting to episode one, folks. You got to get that episode one out. Um, again, we've had people sign up for hosting that have went three, four months and never published an episode, but are yet, yet are paying for storage. And we'll reach out to them. They say, "Well, we're still planning," and I'm like. Let's you know. Let's get you to episode one. Let's get you on the board and play here. I think more and more people are um, planning more, thinking about what they're doing with their podcast before they launch. I, I think the days of just you know jumping in and starting something, while it would be great uh, if they did, I, I think more people are you know thinking that it's a competitive environment and we have to get it right when we start and we have to get all of our ducks in a row and we have to, you know, do this real professional deal to get a show if I want to be successful at it these days. And that gets back to the desire to, to grow and be successful at it. All right. Yeah. I'm, I don't remain convinced that that is a model that produces any more success stories. It probably, it helps. probably doesn't. You're right. It probably doesn't. Well, yeah. I, I don't say, I'm not going to say that it doesn't. Because anything that's well-planned and well-executed definitely should yeah. get some sort of a bump. But how much of a bump? You know, what, was it was it worth waiting four months to get your, you know, get your content out and start building your brand and all these other things that you have to do and authority to, yeah. to really make an impact? Yeah, and I think it's an interesting thought, too. I mean, I guess it depends on who you are um, as far as are you a company podcast or are you an individual or are you just doing it for fun? Or are you trying to build a business for yourself? Is it a branded podcast? Is it for a big company? I think each of those situations creates a different uh, mindset around the creation process of a of a new show. So Yeah. 
So anything else come to the top of your mind here in the last week or so? Um, I don't know. Oh, it just Oh, I know there was one thing. Go ahead. Yeah. So the IB updated the 2.0 uh, basically released the 2.1 guidelines. And there was a inclination made that this was done quietly. There was an announcement that we that they extended the comment period and there was an announcement made that there was updates made. So this this assertion by James this is done in secret, that was not the case. It was it was publicly announced that they extended and had made changes. So I don't right. know why he's flipping out. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. But he says the IB quietly released an update to their proposed 2.1 podcast measurement guidelines. At some point in January for public comment, there was no announcement, and IB appears to remove the previous version 2.1 proposed from the web. We kept a copy and have done a diff of it. It now contains guidance for IPv6 and updated US-based podcast player market share. The public comment period has already ended. We we talked about that on this show. Yeah. Right. As well. There was no and, and they had as far as well, I know, they made. I mean, is it just because the IAB didn't send send James an email about it? Is that what is that what's going, really going on here? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. you know, but they uh, extended the comment period, and right, yeah, they did. Said, I mean, I got I got notices of it and participated, and, and they, but and they yeah. had said that there, and we know that there was uh, these were drafts. We knew that there was still work being done. Yeah, this is feedback. a project that's been going on for months. Yeah, yeah. so. I would expect the 2.1 to be officially released at some time um, here soon. Um, I missed the meeting for that yesterday. I don't know if you were on it or not, Rob. But no, I didn't catch it. I was tied up with stuff so yesterday. I think they were going to vote on whether to release as, as, as is, or I don't know. So I can't speak exactly on what was decided because I don't know. I wasn't in the meeting. But, uh, well, in the last couple of days have been really all about trying to get prepared and get ramped up for PodFest Global. It's coming up starting next week. So that's the – and then runs through, what, March 5th? Yeah, I don't think we're participating all in PodFest Global. It's like he did two back-to-back events, and it's like, why are we doing so many events for the same group back-to-back? Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Because when we participated um, the last go around, it we really didn't hardly get any. You know, there was you know, these virtual events are hard, and the value. Yeah, I just don't think there's that many. You know, there might be twenty or thirty people in a session, but it's just not the same value as in person. And, no, no, that's true. You know, even as big as podcast movement virtual was. You know, I I would say we got one one hundredth of the type of may no maybe one five hundredth of the type of value we would have got out of doing doing something in person. It just you know there was just no you don't you can't talk to people you it just doesn't work and yeah you can have a session and you know reach twenty people. Um, I just uh, again these virtual events uh, I'm about done with them. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're getting involved in it pretty, pretty heavily. I'm doing a a session on March fourth, and then 
Um, and I'm also going to be doing some clubhouse sessions, um, also in, in relation to the event. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how all that, you know, plays out. I did notice that the Captivate folks, um, did a, did an integration with the Descript, um, platform, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. You know, the, here's the thing about that is, um, you have to integrate to them. They won't integrate to you. Right. Right. And, you know, we really, we, we looked at that and the amount of lift that was going to be required and the number of people on the platform. You know, if you've got the time, dev cycles to do it, it's it's a good thing. But, you know, do I want to, you know, it's, it's really, are we delivering enough value to enough podcasters? Um, am, I, am I building something for the 1% or am I building something for 50%? And I'm more focused on building stuff for the 50% than the 1%. That might be, or, or less than 1%, half, you know, one half of 1% of people that are using the platform that may be interacting with us. So, Right. Yeah, I mean, it's a good tool and everything, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it isn't kind of an integration necessarily. It's more of a, I mean, it is an integration, but not really at a deep level. No, it's uh, passing that file over. You know, right. That's all that's really doing. Right. Is, you know, you get done recording and it sends a file to your hosting provider. Well, okay. Um, you know, the Hindenburg folks, they integrated with us. We have an API. So mm -hmm. if, it was, if it was truly valuable for Descript to offer that, then, I, you know, I told them they could have access to our, we give them an API key and they can integrate and their users could push to us, no issue. You know, and that's not how they're working. They don't want to do it that way. They want us to do the work for them. And, uh, you know, who am I building a business for? Am I building a business for a descriptor? Am I building a business for Blueberry? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, so. Uh, these integrations are, you know, there has to be mutual, significant mutual benefit in order to justify... 40, 50, 60 hours of dev time if that's what's required to, to do an integration. Because it's not only the integration, mm -hmm. it's also the marketing, it's then the, the, the documentation, you know, all the stuff that goes along with it. It's just not the coders. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah did you hear about the, the flurry at Gimlet Media with the, uh, PJ, was it a Vogel? Um, I guess he's uh, left Gimlet um, over there, I guess, over some controversy, I guess, around the culture over there. I know that they've been challenged over there around uh, the formation of a union and lots of things go going on over there that uh, on the, the employment culture side of things, which has created a... a contentious environment over there. So it's interesting seeing that so develop was, over there. And I'd be honest with you, I haven't read about what happened over there. So Yeah, I haven't read in detail either. Yeah. Was he the problem or was he left because he was just tired of the issues? So was, you know, which side of the fence was he on? Yeah, I, th I guess. Or doesn't even apply. There was some accusation that the two, I guess, there were two folks that do the reply all um, podcasts over there. 
They were accused, the two, of working against efforts to diversify the Gimlet staff and content. And and mm. I guess they, they've apologized and all this stuff. So there was... Why, why would you work against trying to diversify content? This is what the podcasting space is all about. Well, staff and content. So, it, you know, it's hard to say w- what the scope of that is. But, you know, the comment was coming out of Gimlet was is that it, from the moment I arrived at Gimlet, it was clear that our culture needed work and that there were big things that needed to change to make this a better and more equitable place. Hmm. So you can see there's maybe some tension there. Using the word equitable is pretty ominous. That's a, that's a big word using a statement like that. You don't use that uh, right. very lightly. Yeah, because yeah. equitable is can be money. It could be could be race related. It could be everything. Yeah, whatever. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. It could be a lot of different things. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. and it's you know you know it's I look at what we've done and we've really been lucky. You know, we didn't. We we really tried to staff um, to find the best people and. I think we just got lucky in the makeup of the company and you know it's you know you can see it on our about page at blueberry.com um you know we show all the team members there and you know we, we've worked really hard um as we've added people you know obviously there's this trade-off and this is not really a trade-off you, you, sometimes you just don't get the right applicants um, maybe that's the wrong, even wrong word to use, but, um, yeah. but, uh, you know, it's, you're trying to find the best people and you, you go from a certain amount of, uh, job pool, you narrow that right. down and, right. you know, so. some of these things you can't really force, um, to be different than what they are and what you you know, you're trying to hire the best people for the job right. and, it, and you can't really force these things. I, I think that that's what's happening in the world right now is that there's an expectation that we're, we need to force these things, these changes to happen. And When I review, right. a, when I review a job application, I, I see a name. And so, yes, I'm going to know it's, it's a man or a woman and right. that's about it, you know, and you know, I go, I look through the resume and I can only really base job applicants based on, you know, what they're presenting to me in there. And then of course we would end up probably doing a face-to-face interview. So, you know, then you get a little more defined. Um, but other than that, I, I think oftentimes the, the resume doesn't really even from a diversity standpoint, doesn't really break down if someone is of some sort of ethnicity or not. Did I say that correct? Yeah. Um, so. Or, or race or yeah, race, ethnicity, yeah. whatever. Yeah, it's all the yeah, same. It's all the same, same thing. So, so I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. It's But if you're, you know, there could be a situation too, Rob, on the opposite token where someone has purposely built a team that is not diverse. Right. So I, you know, and if they purposely have done that, then that's, you know, that's an issue. I, I'm just, to be honest, we got really lucky in building a diverse team. So. Right. 
Um, and, and believe me, it's valuable to a company to have a diverse team in this day and age because oh, different yeah, perspectives, definitely. you know? Oh, definitely. I agree with that. So I found a, a uh, website page that has a ranking of the top five ways to help listeners find your podcast. Hmm. There's, there, there's five here. It says, number one is get your podcast on another podcast. Okay, so, I agree with that. Yeah. Number two is give your listeners a remarkable podcast. <laughs> Sustained so, superior content wins the day of the wins right. day after day. Yep. It, it it says here as part of a sub bullet it says, Is your podcast so exceptional and unique that it will get people talking? If so, you open the door to the number two way podcast listeners learn about podcasting, and that's um I guess that is the number two way. It said, word of mouth from family and friends is an especially big driver of uh, discovery among listeners um, who've recently come into podcasting. So I agree with that. Um, It's interesting how they didn't uh, necessarily specifically list search. Um, And then number three, it says, build out social media strategy, focus on earning or owning social media. So I'm not quite sure what they mean by own well, social media. I think but, you you earn authority in social right. media. I don't think right. you own. No one's going to own a particular topic in social media. You and I by no means <laughs> own discussions about podcasting. No. Uh-uh. But we do have authority in order to garner an audience. But you know, going back to that circle of friends thing, yeah, that that gets you go. That gets you launched. That gets your first hundred. Yeah, that doesn't. Yeah, you know. But the the true key here is is circles of influence of those listeners you do gain. You know, you want that one listener to tell six others. You know, and those six because that's how I. You know, I talk of first thing someone says, "What do you got working a podcast? You have a podcast? Yep. Give me your phone. I'll subscribe you to it." You know, and I subscribe them to both this show and. My other show. And I said, if you like it, tell your friends about it. You know, so that's the key is is ever expanding that circle, circle of influence. But mm-hmm. so, what, what's number four? Um, optimize the searchability of your podcast. It says more than one in 10 listeners discovered <clears throat> their latest podcast by doing a search for a specific topic. Um, I agree. Yeah. So I think um, we've been saying that for a long time. That's right. Uh, number, number five is, um, I'm losing my voice. Use video to help promote the audio. (laughs) Well, I think that video is, um, I don't know if that would be in a top five, but I think we've both seen some value in, um, and doing video, uh, you know, but not everyone's wanting to do live. So what does that mean? Using, uh, you know, a promotion product that is out there that turns audio to video. Um, right. So maybe that's the case. But yeah, It says here, for many people, YouTube is the go-to destination for all things entertainment. And that includes uh, music and podcasts with YouTube being one of the leading platforms 
for ac- accessing podcasts. I don't know. I don't agree. That's a hundred percent true. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I think you can leverage YouTube around topics in your podcast and to try and maybe get some attention that way. And then number five is also tied to leverage your blog and website. I think we've been saying that for a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've got a, I've got a thousand videos on YouTube and I can't, I can count on one hand the number of people that have discovered the show because of YouTube. So or at least yeah. have told me that they discovered the show because yeah, how many of you discovered, how many of you that are listening right now to the, first of all, did anyone <laughs> that's listening to the show right now, discover us on YouTube. And if you did send us an email, Todd or Rob, <laughs> right? <laughs> Maybe one, two people, maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But, you know, let's be honest. Right. Uh, we are definitely not a popular demographic for YouTube videos. <laughs> no, we are very much an internal industry podcast. Right. We don't really have that much reach outside of um, the industry of podcasting, that's for sure. And we don't necessarily care to be. <laughs> yeah. So well, that's you- the other part of it. I tell you what, folks. Rob and I agreed today we would we'd try this for an hour and see how it went. And we're going to not go the full ninety minutes today to keep the show a little tighter. And uh, I've got some other commitments as well, so yeah. uh, we're going to be uh, pulling the plug here in a second. But if, if you want to reach out to me, I'm Todd at Blueberry dot com. Of course, I'm on Twitter at Geek News. We want you to get over to the NewMediaShow.com. Make sure you subscribe to the show, Rob. Yeah, I can be found on Twitter as well, at Rob Greenley, And uh, you can send me an email if you want, uh, robg at lipson.com. And yeah, we always want to hear from you and let us know your thoughts on what's happening in the space. And, and we get a steady stream of emails from folks that are sharing things with us on, in a variety of different topics. And it's always great to hear from you. Yep, Absolutely. All right, so Rob, I do want to talk to you about the time if we're going to do this clubhouse thing uh, next Wednesday. But uh, other than that, I guess we can do that offline administratively later. But uh, everyone, thanks yeah. for being here, and uh, hope you enjoyed this. And boy, by the way, for those of you that watch the video, we've, we're putting the audio version in the in the feed, so it'll be available to you just as it normally would be. So yeah. uh, everyone, thanks for being here. We'll see uh, potentially on Wednesday on Clubhouse. Uh, for the next edition of the new media show. Everyone take care. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye.